0: You know, Norman Rockwell has ruined us. He's ruined us with his beautiful paintings of Christmas, putting before us Christmas perfection. The quaint snow-covered village, the perfectly decorated Christmas tree in front of the glowing fireplace, the horse-drawn sleigh cutting through the snow, bearing scarved people, who are delivering perfectly wrapped Christmas presents. The precious little boy with his dog standing in front of the garland-draped mantle, looking up the chimney in anticipation of someone. And then, of course, the family. Always the ideal, perfect family. It's easy to look away from those paintings. At least it is for me thinking this is all I want, this is all I want. If Christmas could just be like that, I would have everything. I would ask you to raise your hand if that's the kind of Christmas you usually experience, but I think the results might be a little bit uh, discouraging. Christmas too often for many of us highlights how incomplete we are. For all that we love celebrating Christmas with our friends and family, it seems that the inevitable part of Christmas is disappointment, a feeling of incompleteness. Nothing seemed to be quiet enough. Everything lacked, even if it was just a little bit, what we hoped it would have provided. The food was off just a little bit. The experience wasn't exactly what we hoped it would be. The gifts, both given and received, didn't give us that full feeling that we hoped they might. And either the children or grandpa didn't behave exactly as anticipated because we're not a Rockwell family. And even if the day was nearly perfect, and maybe it has been for you, but even then, it didn't last long enough, did it? You couldn't hold on to it. It was over too soon. We always seem to long for more. More out of experiences, more out of people, more out of things. We seem to be plagued by feelings of incompleteness, and that is by God's design. No thing On this earth, no person on this earth is designed to be all that we need. They're not designed to complete us all except for one. And that's the good news this morning. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, He is all. He's all. He's everything we need. And so you and I must make him all in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about this morning as we come to this third week in our series. He is, he is all. So if you'll take your Bibles once again and turn with me to the letter written to Colossians, chapter 1. If you'll take your Bible or there's one provided for you in the pew. I have failed to note the page number this week, but I trust that you can find Colossians chapter 1. When you found your place, let's stand together so we might hear read together the word of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. ...whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask now once again that you would be faithful to your promise to us that where your word is read and heard, in that place there is blessing. So bless us this morning with the blessings that you intend for us to have. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I am confident that you had no difficulty hearing the word all repeated in these verses before us. This passage that is the most soaring, the most rapturous description of Christ in all of Scripture. Seven times. In just five verses, we hear the word all. Verse 15, he is the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And verse 20, through Christ God reconciles all all things to himself. The Apostle Paul intends that we do not miss this truth, that Jesus is all, 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 seven times all. We could actually spell Jesus, A-L-L, because Jesus is all. The word that the Apostle Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to employ here For all simply means this, completeness or wholeness. So if there is completeness to be found, if there is wholeness to be found in our lives and our world, it will only be found in the person of Christ. Listen again to verses 19 and 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All things, all things reconciled to God. What good news. You see, on the flip side of this coin that we might call reconciliation or restoration or recreation or redemption is Disunion, discord, disagreement, dispute, feuding, clashing, contention between us and God, between creation and God. Everything in the world is out of accord. Everything in the world is out of agreement with God because of sin. Sin stole the peace, stole the harmony that we in all of creation had with God. And so the greatest need in the world is to have this peace and this harmony with God restored, to be reconciled to Him, to be recreated in Him. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning. Creation groans under the effects of sin. Paul writes that creation was subjected to futility, that creation longs to be set free from its bondage to corruption. This beautiful world that God created has been hacked and fracked and hijacked and chiseled and drilled, and stripped, and mined, and polluted, and toxified, and exploited. I don't need any emails this week defending that or justifying it. I'm well aware that some of these things are necessary to live in this world, but that is in itself a result of sin, that we must use God's creation for those purposes. So creation is longing. To be set free. We just sang, No more, no more, no more let sin and sorrow reign or thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow as far as the curse is found. In Christ, creation will be reconciled, restored. Let me tell you, there will be a city of God. And flowing through that center of God will be a river, and it won't be a polluted one. It's a river that's bright and clear as crystal, flowing through the city of God. In that city, there will be a tree, a beautiful tree, and it won't be a tree of blight or death. It will be a tree that yields its fruit continually, day after day, and its leaves will always provide healing for the nation's. What was lost in Eden will be restored. Is that good news? In Christ who is all. In all in creation, all in recreation, all in reconciliation, all in restoration. And not just between God and creation, but between God and human beings as well. Scripture unabashedly and unashamedly presents human beings... Human beings alone, as the crown of all of God's creation, the apex of his creative imagination in all of creation, human beings alone are unique in that we alone have the life of God, the breath of God breathed into us. And so we too can be restored. To have peace with God through faith in Christ. And nothing else is more important. Nothing else is more important than being right with God. Being reconciled. Restored. Being in right relationship with Him. That's it. That is everything. Being restored to the creator of all things. Therefore, Christ is all that we need to have everything. If our greatest need is to be restored to God and Christ is the one that does that, then we have all we need in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. When all things are subjected to Christ, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to Him who put all things in subjection under Him. Now listen, that God may be all in all God is all in all this is the absolute axiom for the universe God is all in all that's what's unchangeably true Christ is the all because he is the incarnation of the God who is all in all And here's the best part. This is what I love about what God has called me to do. This universal axiom does not require our assent to be true. It doesn't. It is true whether we believe it or not. And we know that this truth has been mocked and scoffed and ridiculed. We know that this truth That God is all in all and that Christ is all has been denied, it's been debased, and it has purportedly been debunked. Those who believe this universal axiom, that Christ is all, have been belittled. And at best, we have received that patronizing, bless your heart, pat on the head, For believing such a thing, at worst, angry words spewed out on us for ruining the world with this axiom that Jesus is all, operating now under the name hate speech. But listen, none of that matters because he is. He is all. He is unchangeably all. You will have more success penetrating a suit of armor with a feather, as you will have, successfully assailing this truth, Christ is all. So, what should concern you and me right now in this moment is how we should live our lives in light of this truth, that Christ is all. I'm just going to make four suggestions to how we should live. And the first is this. That we must realize, we must realize the reality of our existence. Without Christ, we are lacking. Without Christ, we are not complete. That's just the way it is. We attempt to hold it together, to get it together, to keep it together. We attempt to rewind what has unraveled, but we cannot successfully do that. Without Christ, the one in whom this verse tells us all things hold together. Realize this. If Christ is not the center of all things in your life, the magnet to which everything else is drawn and to which everything else clings, you will never feel like your life really coheres. You'll never feel like you have it all together if Christ is. Is not your all, you will struggle in vain to keep it together. So realize this reality and start probing the lack in your life. Look for the incompleteness in the places where your life is fraying and bring Jesus into the midst of it. Secondly, rejoice. So realize one, number two, rejoice. But the one who is all is completely accessible to you and to me. He came as a baby. Come on. He didn't come as an intimidating Herculean Herculean warrior. What clearer message could he send? I'm here. I'm accessible. He was laid in a manger. Come on. His was not a gilded crib in a castle, but a manger in a stable. What clearer message could he send to say, I'm here and I am accessible? His very first human visitors were dirty, smelly shepherds, society's misfits and rejects. Come on! What clearer message could he send? I'm here and I am accessible. Rejoice. Rejoice, you can have access to the one who is all. So go to him often. Thirdly, after you have rejoiced and realized, release, let go. If Christ is all, he doesn't need your help or my help. Look again in verse 20. And through him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Through his death on the cross, Christ reconciles all things to God. He does it. It's his work. And that's why on the cross, his last and few and well-chosen and intentionally chosen words were these. It is finished Christ has done everything not partly but all all that needs to be done so that we can have peace with God so that we can have a relationship with God who is all in all it's been done by Christ that means there's nothing left for you and for me to do than to accept by faith all that Christ has done for us so release. Charles Spurgeon, there was a quote in your bulletin from him. Here's another, that famous 19th century preacher who has been called, and rightly so, the prince of all preachers. This is what he preached to his congregation in 1871, for this is a vile contempt. I I, I wish I could preach like this, let me just say, pray for me, maybe someday when I grow up. For this is a vile contempt and despising of Christ indeed to think that he came to help you to save yourselves. Those who yoke the sinner and the Savior together as each doing a part rob Christ of all his glory. And this is robbery indeed to pilfer from the bleeding lamb of God the due reward of his agonies. In the work of salvation, Jesus stands alone. He will never go into partnership as a part Savior of men. If He be something, He must be everything. And if He be not everything, He is nothing to you. Christ is not almost all, but all in all. From the dunghill of our corruption to the throne of our perfection. Our salvation has Christ to begin with, Christ to go on with, and Christ to finish with. Can that get an Amen? amen. Hebrew, yeah, yes, amen. Hebrews 12, 2. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He begins it, he ends it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He's all. He begins, He completes, and you and I must never tire of hearing that Christ is all. He is everything in our salvation. Because He chose to be so. Because He desires to be so. Because He will be so to all who come to Him in faith. So we release. We let go. We stop the struggle. We stop trying to earn or deserve what Christ freely gives to us. His gift to us of which we have no part. And most of us here have done that. But you know what we need to also release? We need to release that fear that Christ will somehow take away from us. What he's already given to us. He will not. You can't make him. You can't make him take his gift of salvation away from you. He chose to give it to you. It's yours. So release the fear. Realize. Rejoice. Release. And fourthly and finally, reject. Reject compartmentalization in your life. He's everything. He's not part. He's all. I don't believe that my children were unique in singing when they were little children. Let every heart prepare his room. (laughs) Right? There's a room, there's a room in our heart for Jesus. Since they were children, I don't believe it to be a Freudian slip. But nevertheless, it communicates a great deal about us, doesn't it? Christ is not all to us, but he's just part of us. When in fact, he must be all. See, we are afraid of being superlative. We are taught not to be superlative. Never say never, we're scolded as children. Always, never. Those are superlative extremes that should be avoided. And so too, in this case, Christ should be some. Perhaps people would allow that Christ should be most, but all? Please don't be so superlative. Compartmentalize. Keep Christ where he belongs. Even the church has promoted this, right? Let's not get too emotional. In our own Presbyterian tradition. It's not for no reason that we have been called the frozen, (laughs) chosen. No. Don't be frozen. Be fervent, be extreme, be superlative. Reject compartmentalization. Christ belongs in all of your life, not just some of it. Look, you want Christ to be superlative? Do you want him to forgive some of your sins or all of them? Which one? All? Do you want him to transform part of your life or all of your life? Which one? All. We want Christ to be superlative. And so must we be. He is all. And he must be all in your life and mine. So realize. Realize your incompleteness. Rejoice that Christ is accessible. Release everything to Christ and reject compartmentalizing him in your life. I said that Norman Rockwell has ruined us. But now at the end of this sermon, I've I've changed my mind. I, I think he's done us a favor. He's exposed us to ourselves, stirred up those feelings of incompleteness that we may have, exposed how we long for something more. And so now we have the privilege of praying lord jesus where i've been blind to the reality of my incompleteness apart from you show me what do i wrongly believe that keeps me from accessing you often where am i striving lord to be what you have given me freely Where are you not everything to me? Lord, show me the places in my life where I leave you out. Where is the place, Lord, in my life that I believe you don't belong? What is the issue with which I struggle that I believe you can't address? Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, Help me bring you into all things. If you are all for me, then I must be all for you. Increase my love. Increase my devotion. Free me, Lord, to be wide open to you. To be extreme. To be superlative. To give myself with abandon to you. You are all. You have given all. Now you must be all. Amen.